is God our righteousness. And um, we're going to look at 1 Timothy again and then we're going to go beyond that. But I want you to understand that by no means am I trying to be political in this. Um, but we have to understand from a bib- biblical viewpoint, from a biblical perspective, what Paul is telling us in 1 Peter chapter 3. Or, yeah, 1 Timothy chapter 3, sorry. And we have to come to the same conclusion about the church being established as the place of truth on the earth as Paul talks about in 1 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 14. So here we go. <clears throat> I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that If I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. And so he's talking about the household of God, which is the church of the living God, which is a pillar and buttress of truth. And so it's in this place that God intends for the world to be able to find truth. When we retreat, then the world has to come up with their own truth. And the world is always trying to come up with their own truth. But that's not what God intends. God intends for the church to have the influence as to what is truth. And so even the words that were spoken this morning, that's why it's so important for us to know the word of God, that we know the word of truth, and that we begin to live by it. Now, that puts a lot of, if, if I can use the term pressure on us, to live the lifestyle that God wants. But on the flip side of that, to live the Christian lifestyle is really just obeying the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Okay, so there's not a lot of pressure on us. But we didn't look at this too deep last week, verse 16, because he's talking about the church, the household of God, which is um, the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of truth. And then he defines something that is important that we need to make sure that we're having a, a right understanding on. And it's found in verse 16, and he says this, Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. And just stop there for a moment. So now he's going to define godliness. So now he's defining how we ought to be acting in the church. Okay? And it's not hard. Because he defines godliness as Jesus. As Jesus. Look what he says here. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He, that's Jesus, was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit. This is Jesus. Seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. And so, of all the things that we need to be in, and he's really talking about us being godly, And he says, the way you become godly is to give your life to Jesus, is to follow after him. And and again, those are the words that were even spoken today that 
We're listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. We're letting Him lead us and guide us. We're in God's Word so that we know how to make the adjustments in our lives to become more and more like Christ on the outside. On the inside first. But he says the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and foundation of truth. And so among all the issues that man has since the fall, when Adam ate of the forbidden tree, God still promised that he would have an avenue to work love, peace, justice, and everything that God is on the earth. And he was going to do it through people who are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, by the blood of Jesus. And again, this is only possible because it is not based on man's righteousness, on our own righteousness. It's not based on our own godliness. Okay? It's not based on our ability or anything else that man can do, but it's based on God Himself as we saw in verse 16, that the mystery of godliness is Jesus. Okay? If you want to become more godly, then hang around Jesus more. Establish that relationship more and more with Him. We've looked at the fact that Jesus is the head of the church. His body, according to Ephesians 5.23 and Colossians 1.18, and we've looked at that before, so it's not coming up. So when God calls people out of the world of darkness into the kingdom of His Son, whom He loves, then God begins to fill His church up with His Spirit, His Word, and we become what He has destined the church to be. His body filled with truth. And one of the things that we struggle with is God's sovereignty. Because we think in our minds that God's sovereignty means that God is in control of everything, and that's not what sovereignty means. Sovereignty means all power and all authority. And God is sovereign. He does have all power and all authority, but He doesn't make all the decisions. <clears throat> he is not in control of everything that takes place on the earth. Because God has limited Himself. And we find part of this limitation in Psalm 115, verse 16. And we're going to look again into this deeper a little bit later, but um, this is just a little stepping stone for us. Psalm 115, verse 16 says, The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth He has given to the children of man. So what goes on on earth, he has placed in our, our dominion, our role. He's given it to us to make choices, to make decisions. So God has limited himself by whatever control he has given up. And that is you and I having the freedom to choose to make our own decisions, whether they line up and agree with God or not, whether they line up with his word or not. He has given us the freedom to make those decisions. And only mankind has He given this right to. And in that, He's given us the right to reject God's ways. And we have. 
but to also be restored back to God. And we all have, every human being has the ability because God has provided that way back to him through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. When the angels who rebelled against God, uh, they do not have a plan of redemption. They are lost forever. Only mankind has a redemptive plan. God gave the angels freedom to choose. And we don't complain about the result of those choices. But we always have a, and, th and they don't have a means of redemption, but we seem to complain that God has given mankind the freedom to choose. And there's a lot of times we choose not to be in agreement with God, not to walk in his ways. And again, I want to tell you, only mankind is made in the likeness and the image of God. I don't care what the world says, but the trees and everything else, the other animals that are out there, they're not made in the likeness and image of God. They are good, but they're not made in the likeness and image of God. Only mankind is made in the likeness and image of God. And so in that, he has given us the ability to reject him, to choose to do wrong. And again, we have but then he's also given us the ability to come to our senses and turn and to return back to him by the blood of the lamb, by the blood of Jesus. No other way. So it is no man's way of being truth. It is God's determination that truth, his truth will be established in the church through those who have been redeemed by Him. And what God has started, He will complete. The other struggle that we have is that we think that when we are redeemed, that when we give our life to Jesus, that people expect perfection out of us. Right? Because they'll look at us and they'll say, well, if you're a Christian, how come you're doing that? So, placing our faith in Jesus does not mean that we are perfect. It just means that we have been redeemed and we have an opportunity to become more and more like God and have His attributes and His character as ours. Some will make great strides in that. Some will struggle with it. But you know what? That's God's responsibility on one part. It's our responsibility to have that hunger to draw close to Him. And when we do, He will draw close to us. He will help us become like Him. He has given us everything that we need of to become like Him. But we're in a work of progress and process. And because we're redeemed and we have this opportunity to become more and more like Christ doesn't mean that we won't make mistakes and some of them very major. And the church has. We have. And we will continue to do so. But it also means that God will also straighten us out when we need it. And He has. And He will continue to do that. He will continue to straighten us out. We are still flawed human beings but we have an incredible God living on the inside of us to help us and to correct us when we are in error. 
And so, for us to understand that the church is the place of truth, it's a place that we need to be an influencer in the world for good, for godliness, I want to share with you Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34. And it says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Righteousness exalts a nation. If righteousness exalts a nation, then God is saying that when you walk in righteousness, then your influence is going to be felt in that nation, and that nation is going to be blessed. But if you choose not to walk in righteousness, and you choose to walk in sin, then you're going to become a reproach. It's not going to go well for you. So then, let's ask some questions and we'll answer them. Where is righteousness found then? Because he says righteousness exalts a nation. Then we have to ask, where is it found? It's found in two places. In all the world, you can only find it in two places. And the first place righteousness is found is in God. It's in Him. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sins. The righteous, so he's talking of Jesus, he's the righteous for the unrighteous. That he, speaking of Jesus and his righteousness, might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. So, righteousness is God. God is the source of righteousness. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 says, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Isn't that awesome? So, we do not have the ability to become righteous because First Peter talks about that. that uh, the righteous for the unrighteous. So, we were unrighteous. And so, there was no righteousness in us. But Jesus Christ, the righteous, First John. Romans chapter 3, verse 21 says this. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. Couldn't provide for it, but they bore witness to it. Verse 22, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so in this, Paul is letting us know that there's only one place that righteousness is found, and that's in God. And we do not have a righteousness of our own that is worthy of Him. The Scripture speaks of our righteousness as being filthy rags unto Him. So they're not of any value. 
But he says in verse 22, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. And so that is the second place that we find righteousness in every believer who has trusted in the finished work of Jesus Christ. So the first place righteousness is found is in God because he's the only one who is righteous. But then he gives us his righteousness once we place our faith in Jesus Christ. And so the only places that you're going to find righteousness are in God and in the church. Those who believe. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm righteous. Look at your neighbor again and say, it's hard to believe. (laughs) That you're righteous too. But we are in Jesus. Romans chapter 5 verse 16 says this. And the free gift, if I say free gift, is not like the result of that one man's sin, speaking of Adam, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more, if I say much more, he's starting to talk about you now, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift, I'm so thankful he said free gift again, Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. And so just right there, that alone is enough to let us know that the church, the household of God, the the church of the living God is the place, the pillar, the foundation of truth for the world. And God is expecting that truth to reign. He is looking for us as his followers, as believers in him, as the body of Christ, as the church of God to reign in righteousness. And when you reign in righteousness, you have to do it in right standing with God. That's the only way to do it. And so when we give our life to Jesus Christ, then God is looking for righteousness to reign in our lives. Verse 18 says, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. And so righteous is not a feeling. It's a fact. We are made righteous. We are declared righteous when we place our faith in Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8 verse 10 says this. But if Christ is in you. But if Christ is in you. Although the the body is dead because of sin. The spirit is life. Because of righteousness. There's power in righteousness. 
There's power in the righteousness that God gives us. And we have the position, the place of righteousness, but then God wants us to work it out in our lives. He wants us to be a demonstration of that righteousness. And as we are, then we become the influencer that God wants us to be wherever we go. And I'm telling you, the world is looking for righteousness now. It is trying to come up with its own righteousness. And it's failing. And it's failing those who have put their faith in it. But our faith is in Jesus Christ and, the, and God's righteousness, the righteousness that He gives us because of Jesus Christ. And it, again, I'm, I'm not trying to be political, but we have to understand this. And it's important that we understand this. How can we have a Supreme Court justice not be able to identify and define what a female is. There's only one way to do that. The world is waiting for the church to rise up and declare the truth of God. I mean, they want to celebrate this lady to being the first black woman on, and she can't even define who she is. This is the world's truth. And how confusing, how crazy is it? I mean, in reality, because of her not being able to find what a, a female is, what a woman is, we can't even celebrate her being on the Supreme Court as a woman. First Corinthians chapter one, verse twenty-eight. Kind of mentioned this last week, but didn't bring in the scripture. But here we go. First Corinthians one twenty-eight. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. Verse twenty-nine. So that. Thank you. No human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God. Wisdom from God. Righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. You know, if the world is looking down on you because of your faith, rejoice. Don't take offense at it. Rejoice because the world has lost its mind if it ever had one. But God has called us and He says uh, God chose what is low and despised in the world. So it doesn't matter what the world thinks about you. It's about what God thinks about us. It's about what God has done for us because we've placed our faith in Jesus Christ and He has become our wisdom. He has become our righteousness, our sanctification, our redemption. So it doesn't matter what they say. And we're not boasting in our own efforts, in our own doing. We're boasting in Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. And let's just pause there for a moment. So he's talking about what we see in the natural. They saw Jesus in the natural as uh, the byproduct of Joseph and Mary instead of God and Mary. And it was, isn't that Joseph's son, the carpenter? They didn't see him for who he truly is, the son of God. And he's saying, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. In other words, we don't look at things just according to the flesh. We have a spiritual perception that we can have. A spiritual insight and understanding that we can have. Not only of every individual, but of everything that is going on in life. We can have God's mind on it. We can see things from God's perspective. We don't have to be walking around in the dark trying to figure out who you are when it's very evident who you are. Verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Jesus or who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So we're reconciled, and now he's saying, look, now go reconcile the world to me. I want them to see me. How is that going to happen? It happens through the church. From us becoming what God has called us to be. From us living out what God has called us to be. Not having pity parties just because we're not getting our way somewhere. When you go to work, you ought to be the pastor of that workplace. You ought to be the one who brings Jesus there. If you're the only one, then guess what? Your light ought to be shining the brightest. Instead of going there, oh, woe is me. And trust me, I've had those moments, but we have to rise up and realize that God is with us and He's called us to be the light and salt for the world. He's called us to be the influencer. I... This week was a hard week at school. And so I had to literally pray. I say, God, it's not in my natural being to do what you want me to do there. And to be what you want me to be there. And I need you to show up big in my life so that they will see you through me. And then I had to pray continually. Pray in the Spirit. Because I want to be what God wants me to be there. And I made it. Hallelujah. He came out. Verse 18 again. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Were it? We're His plan. He wants us to be co-laborers with Him in this world to bring love, to bring joy, to bring light, to bring peace. 
Verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm an ambassador. Whew. What's an ambassador do? Represents who they're from. So you're the representation of Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And here it is, verse 21. For our sake, He, speaking of God, made Him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin. So Jesus knew no sin, but God made Him to be sin, so that in Him, in Christ, we, if I say we, might become the righteousness of God. And that is what we are. Whether you like it or not, whether you feel like it or not, whether you behave like it or not, we are the righteousness of God. And the righteousness of God is found in two places, in Him and in us who are His followers, who are His believers. And if all of this is true, and it is, then the church is now the place of God's righteousness, not our own righteousness, and therefore the church is also the place of truth for the world. And again, may I remind you that righteousness does not mean perfect. It simply means that we have trusted in the finished work of Jesus Christ and His sacrifice for us as believers and we receive His righteousness to, excuse me, to satisfy the demand of God that we be righteous. So when God looks at every believer, He sees us in right standing with Himself, not based on what we have done, except to believe in the free gift of salvation He has provided us in Jesus Christ, resulting in us being made righteous by Christ living in us. So let's go back to Proverbs 14.34. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. What does it mean? Where is righteousness found? Righteousness is found in God and in His people, the church, that He has called out and brought near to Himself by Jesus. In the church, we have a responsibility to grow now in righteousness. Grow into becoming more and more like Christ. And as we do, the promise is the nation will go well. The nation will go well. If the church does not grow in righteousness, then the nation will not go well. We are that buffer. We are that avenue that God has for His goodness to be displayed. Because we've been made righteous, He's, he's now imploring us to go out and let others know about the free gift of Jesus Christ and the righteousness that He offers. God intends for the church to be the place of influence for the world. For whatever nation they are in, God wants people to be blessed from the church being what God has called us to be when He called us out. And if this is true about righteousness in the church, then it is true about everything else the church is to be for the world. The church 
needs to be the place of healing for the brokenhearted. Which means that we have to find our own healing. When we come to Him, we have to find our healing. And that was mentioned this morning in the Word. Freedom for the captives. God wants us to be free. To be a place where the Lord's favor rests because it is the place of good news. You know, I, I wonder that part of it, we've missed it because we haven't been the place of good news. We've been the place of bad news. If you do this, you're going to hell. If you don't do this, you're going to hell. If, 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 if. And all we've let them know is they're going to hell. We haven't let them know, hey, there's a God who loves you. There's a God who has died for you to save you. Now, they may reject that, but that's not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to be a place of good news. When you walk into your place of work, they ought to know good news is coming. They ought to hear it from our lips. They ought to uh, see it in our actions. And may I encourage you with this thought that there is no shortage of people who need the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to be shared with them. You don't even have to go far to find those people. Just live. And you will find them. And, you know, I shared with you before when I started this journey with my family, I tried to beat hell out of them by beating Jesus in and it doesn't work like that. And then I found out God says just love them and serve them. And that's a whole lot easier. And that's what He's called us to do. We, the church, are to be the place the world finds encouragement, joy, peace, faithfulness, trustworthiness, hope for today and for tomorrow and all that God is. Whatever the world needs, the church of the living God should be the place that they find it, especially truth. Psalm 115.16, the heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to the children of man. So the church of the living God is to be the pillar and foundation of truth for the world according to God in His Word. May we rise up to fulfill that destiny that He has called us to. If you'll stand with me, please. God is looking for righteousness to reign in our lives. That means right living. Right living with Him. Doing things the right way. His way. And if we'll do that, the nations will be blessed. They will be exalted. I think we have either lost it or not understood it. And it's probably the fact that we haven't understood it completely. 
is the impact that God intends for the church to have in the world. And so we're going to take the next few weeks to look at that because it's important. There's a battle for truth to be revealed in this world. There's a constant battle. And the truth of the matter is, is if you read your Bible, you'll see that that's a battle that has been going on from the beginning. But God has given the earth to mankind. And so if we as a church will rise up and become what God has called us to be, then we can be the answer for the world. They don't have to come up with their own truth. They'll be able to find the truth and the freedom that God offers. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this day and the love that you have for us. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you for the direction that your word gives us. And Father, I pray that we would be a people who come into agreement with that. And even as we heard this morning, Father, that we put one foot in front of the other. We take one step towards you, another step towards you, another step towards you. And we set our face like flint to come after you, to find you, because you are the only truth in the way. And Father, we want to be your ambassadors to the world for that truth. Work it in us, Father, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, go be blessed.